0: I was at a church uh, some appointments ago where um, one of the nursery school directors was all in a tizzy over me because uh, I was saying that um, we weren't going to have plaques all over the place in the nursery school honoring uh, people who had given stuff to the church. And uh, I knew that was the tradition of of the methodist church that we just didn't make a big fraud all over gifts to the church but um, i couldn't quote chapter and verse as to where that came from it was just in my head i guess from uh, coming out of the methodist church as a youngster but here it is in today's scripture um, where that comes from Lots of advice from the mouth of Jesus, isn't there? And today we are at it again, kneeling at the feet of our Lord, opening our ears and our minds to be uh, illumined by what we come to understand is his intentions. May the words of my mouth Be acceptable, O Lord. Amen. So we've looked at faith and citizenship. Well, we've looked at a whole number of things last week. Worrying anxiety. And today we look at what Jesus has said, in, in my words I would frame it as authentic, authentic humility in our spirituality with him critiquing religious grandstanding and show off piety so our two scriptures today speak clearly to us they're they're not very opaque they're not very nuanced they can be readily understood just by reading and thinking about them the first three contrasts the public face of piety to piety in private and the fourth speaks about honest piety being genuine in one's spirituality against a a self-righteous pride commending the virtue of of humility it's not enough, it would seem, from Jesus' point of view, it's not enough to be private in one's piety. One should also be real and faithful, which equals humble in one's piety. Now, on our concern, which we mention each week with these sermons as to whether it's thought that these biblical passages are holding for us authentic words of Jesus. You'll you'll want to know in those first three admonitions that that core, the core statement of those admonitions is thought to be uh, Jesus for sure, with other sayings that kind of support that saying uh, brought into it. And the fourth one also is thought to be highly authentic to the words of Jesus. And so we come to these lessons today with a sense that we are hearing clearly Jesus' intent for us, if not exactly Jesus' words for us, that it's highly, highly probable that he said these things, that if we were in his midst, if we were at his feet in those days, we would have heard these stories or passages, which gives me the heebie-jeebies, in, in a good way, in a good way. I, I feel an excitement over these words. We should bring a seriousness to our reading, to our understanding, and to our applying these lessons. So, the first three focus on what were the common expressions of piety in the days of Jesus, and, and they're pretty much, maybe we don't fast as much as they did in those days, but these three are, are pretty common to our understanding of acts of piety as well. Charity, you know, giving of alms and support of one another. Now, it is, it's impossible for your right hand not to know what your left hand is doing, so it's it's an exaggerated illustration for us that heightens the admonition that you need to be doing it in private because you can't hide from yourself what one hand is doing. Prayer again, the watchword is privacy. Go into your closet, he says. And in fasting, don't put on an unpleasant face. Yet again, keep private about what you're doing. You know, buck up and don't whine about it. If you're going to fast as a spiritual discipline, embrace it. Take a shower, shave, do your hair. Act like you're not going through the shadow of death in your fasting. Keep it to yourself if you want to benefit from it. Because when you make an exhibition of your piety, you lose its value. Now, I immediately thought, uh uh-oh, we're trying to get people to come back to church. Are they going to be thinking that um, Jesus is saying, don't go to church, you know? And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, No, Jesus is saying, don't be a show-off. That there is value to the gathering together of one another in prayer. There is value to the linking of arms with one another as we go out in compassion and service to our neighbor. We still do both of worship, corporate worship, and corporate service, generally the point of the lessons i think as we understand them to be what they mean is not to be religious show-offs you know in well i see it mostly in football but it might be in other games as well as as when somebody does something good and they go oh you know and they're dancing around and they're drawing all attention to themselves and i think they're trying to posture themselves to get more money at the next negotiation or something they want to make sure they've been seen but it's that kind of it's that kind of thing he's he's jesus is not saying don't play the game he's saying don't be a show off don't be a show off don't be grandstanding don't be doing the end zone dance just because you've made a gift, or just because you've done a prayer, or just because you've engaged in some service in the community, you're not going above and beyond when you do this. You're doing the baseline of what I hope you will do as a lover of God and lover of neighbor. Or else, what happens is that you become wrapped up in a, in a self-righteous kind of pride about yourself. And in the doing of that, you dissipate, you dissipate the value of your act. In Jesus' uh, understanding, if I've got it right, leaving you with more of a sin than a virtue. Because of that self righteousness. Now, in case we haven't uh, gotten the gist of the first three admonitions, we bring in this other one just to underscore in a clearer way with a a more interesting uh, story to it the lesson the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee is full of himself and his goodness. And he is a dutiful practitioner of the faith. Way to go, guy. Nice going, nice going. Yet he knows he's better than everybody else, at least those people, those people. Oops, not, not, not so good. And the tax collector, well, he's, he's very clear. He's very clear that he falls short, that he is a sinner, And he too, though, is at prayer like the Pharisee. And we don't know how regularly he does this, whether he comes in every day for prayer or whether this is a a one-off of the last month or year. We don't know that story. Yet he knows he falls short of God's glory for him, God's will for him and he is on his knees in front of the mercy seat of God, praying for God's forgiveness. Now, we, truthfully, when we think about this story, we don't know if the tax collector is really a rotten guy. We don't know that, do we? And we don't know if the Pharisee wouldn't be our best friend, a really nice guy. We we don't know that either. We're not told about those external data points of those lives as Jesus contrasts them. What we are told about, as he tells us this story, is the internal condition of their spirituality. One seems to be a poster child for self-righteousness and the other for the virtue of humility. And this story being told is a stunning reversal of the ordinary expectations that the hearer would have in Jesus' day, and perhaps if, if we didn't know the story so well, we would be kind of surprised again today as we hear it because it's, it's not what we would think would be happening. The appropriate response comes from the improbable person, not who we'd expect. The expected good guy, the expected good guy trips over his pride and and falls on his face. And the expected bad guy, well, he's genuinely penitent, and he is lifted up. Yet here's the thing. From the outside, they are both engaging in a practice of piety, if we didn't know what was happening inside, we would look at the two of them and we'd see two people deep in prayer to God. Yet they have a different internal spiritual truth and they have a different outcome with God. This is what is key. For we are not sitting back in judgment of one another as we sit here in prayer. We're looking to get ourselves connected right with God. So this is key. For something to happen inside, right? For something to happen inside, it's got to happen outside, Yet, just because some posture is taken outside, it doesn't mean the good intent and the consequence, the good consequence is happening inside. This is what we observe in the contrast of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Jesus' story. The spiritual reality Behind or under or motivating the posture is key. What's really behind the prayer? What's behind the almsgiving? What's behind the service? That is what's key. Spiritual humility and spiritual honesty with yourself and with God is key for your spiritual maturity, for your spiritual health. I think this is what Jesus is communicating to us. What's inside the person, what's really true about the person is more important to God and to one's spiritual well-being than the way a person presents themselves in life. The truth is what sets us free, not the posture, not the persona. And we want to set, we want to set that internal spiritual reality. We want to get it set in a line to God by what we do as followers of God in our practice of worship, in our study, in our prayers, in our service. We're seeking not to impress other people, we are seeking to humbly come into relationship with God and by God's mercy, experience and benefit from that relationship. So, you know, there's really two pretty direct and clear lessons Real piety, real piety is between you and God. Between you and God. And it's not done to impress anybody else. Not done to impress anyone else. And the showing off, the showing off of it will undercut its value to yourself and in uh, your relationship to God. You want to be authentic, you want to be genuine in relationship with God. If anybody knows your truth, it's God. You wanna be authentic with God. And in that honest humility that is private and personal, you want to seek the right posture with God, the right relationship with God, so that that internal connecting comes through your outside posturing. Don't let self-righteous pride get in the way of a healthy relationship. And don't let your sense of inadequacy in front of the wonder and the glory of God keep you from the mercy seat. People might think they can fool others, but, you know, they can't fool God and I have, I have always kind of felt that way, that I, I take people at face value. I take people as they present themselves to me. I don't know any better. I can sometimes intuit things. But I really don't know any better. But the truth of the matter is, I don't need to know any better. Because it's your truth in front of God that matters. others may take a person at outward appearances and and the persona that they offer and that's trusting and that perhaps might be supportive of aspiration i think that's fine and if that's really the person that external presentation makes well then that's really great and and we have we have a a healthy relationship with one another because I'm sharing who I am and you're sharing who who you are. And we're loving each other in the reality of our truth and we're encouraging each other to be the fullness of what God wants for us. We're gonna help each other learn how to play soccer rather than one of us acting like we know it all and the other so anxious about it. Yet if, if the way we're presenting ourselves is, is really not what's authentic, we will stumble. When the challenge comes, we will fall. And, and we, we will be revealed, if not to those around us, at least to ourselves, as, as the hypocrite we were acting as. God takes us for who we really are and wants us to be in touch with who we really are and the promise of who we can become if we stay actively connected through the Spirit to God. Not pretending that we're the saint, but in effort with God in the Spirit to become Saintly as God would have us be. Well, so in short, be humble, be honest, genuinely present who you authentically are so we can be with one another in a good, healthy relationship. And in aspiration with God in a good, healthy relationship to become our better selves. Be true to yourself, be true to God, be true to others. Truth, ah, who would have thought it was so important? Truth. You will find yourself at peace. And you will discover in that peace the true reason for positive self-regard. Amen.